here we go with our first, I don't want to call it episode because that sounds way too formal and kind of presumptuous. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds a little presumptuous. So like installment maybe for now, give it a couple of them and then we can call it episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is our first attempt, (laughs) our first something. Okay, so had both of you guys had already read Sister of the Traveling Pants at least once before we read it? Technically, yes. But you can't really remember it, right? I didn't remember it, like, at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, like... Like, I watched it around this... Like, or I, I watched the movie, like, like very close to when I read it also. And so, really, all I remember was the movie. Right. Totally. Like, and what about I you? read them pretty early on in my teenage years. And I read, like, all four of the actual ones. I have not read the one where it's, like, ten years later and she wrote it kind of recently. Um, and I don't even know what that one yeah. is called. But when I was rereading them, I realized there was so much, like Alyssa, like there was so much that I didn't remember and like so many details. And I was like annoyed with the characters in ways that I hadn't been before. And I have a lot of thoughts, honestly. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I, I didn't, I read them late, yeah. like in late teenagerhood, probably when I was like 16 or 17. But, you know, it was early enough that it was before I, like, learned all the things that make you annoyed with them. So I was just amazed by how cool it yeah. was. Because I was, like, old enough and actualized enough to, like, know that books about four girls being unconditionally friends with each other was, like, really cool and not that mm-hmm. typical. But I also wasn't, like, knowledgeable enough to know that it's weird that they talk about like their bodies and how cute they are all the time yeah. or how not cute they are like Whoa, I did like yes. I wasn't you know I didn't know enough to know that that mm-hmm. was weird so I was just kind of blown away by how much it was just about girl friendship really? yeah the first like my reading experience with it was literally that my parents were driving me back to Montana which is where everyone in my family is from and I had to take books with me on the strip because obviously <laughs> And so I went to the bookstore and I stared between this, like, copy of Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and Twilight. And I ended up buying both of them because I'm bad at making decisions. (laughs) And I read Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants Mm. first, but, like, I basically blew through it. And that's why I don't think I remember a thing because I got really excited to read Mm. Twilight. And then I read Twilight in the rest of this car ride and then that became my life after sure. that moment so which is kind of like really bizarre if you think about the fact that like this like beautiful friendship i was like eh, edward is here <laughs> totally. though like you know twilight it's hard to escape the twilight trap when yeah. you're a young it really is and i feel like none of us escaped it like- successfully no <laughs> not at all but we got to get into that on the yeah, yeah. We're, this, we have to save completely this. <laughs> I think the thing that I just really liked is when we were talking about the book and, like, how we might potentially describe it, we said that because it's published in 2001, it's like a Gilmore Girls contemporary. Yeah, that's true. And so, <laughs> and I just wanted I to I feel like that, that. that's plenty of Yeah, and context. I feel like, I do feel like the books feel very early 2000s to me. Like, when I was reading them, I was they like, do. wow, I am back there. I feel like I'm in middle school and I'm experiencing this time period all over again. Which and is I, weird because this is what my cover looks like, which I know you right. Sorry, mom, you can't see me. <laughs> But it's the new one where it's just, like, the girl wearing the pants and, like, 
kind of having like a little sexy pose. It feels so wrong. It's not what I'm used to. That is that is wrong. It's not the font. (laughs) The font of the original is just on point. So it's so like exactly what a middle schooler would make and Mm -hmm. also would be attractive to like aesthetically. So I just and that's why we loved it. And I also was thinking about this and I feel like a lot of people haven't read the book. Maybe a lot of people have, but like a lot of people didn't I feel like like I feel like it's really easy to come across people who don't remember reading it but the premise like the traveling pants premise I feel like people reference that all the time and that's so I think a lot of people saw that movie yeah like I think people know the movie which I think we also should talk about in this because I know we've all seen it we should totally talk about it especially since I feel like it's like I mean obviously Alexis Bledel is in it so there's again the Gilmore Girls connection this is like Blake Lively's like first (laughs) major movie I want to say Hannah, I feel like you have been hinting that you have. A I lot mean, of to I say have like a book. couple pages of notes, and I mean, I don't know where wow. we want to start, but like I the thing only... that I get, okay, I guess if like I want to start anywhere, it's just I feel like if we could talk about the individual characters, and I was thinking about them yeah. like as a whole, and then as individuals, and and I feel like all of them kind of have a similar journey, and then it's like. In, in some ways, like, selfishness to selflessness, but, like, complicated and all kind of in their own ways. But for me, at least, like, I had a clear hierarchy this time of, like, who I liked more. And I feel like that was wrong, and I didn't want to feel that, but I just had, like, s- such clear preferences for... Tell me okay. who you liked more. Tell me that. Yeah, I'm going to lay this out. Okay, my favorite is Bridget, and then... And then Carmen, oh, okay. and then Lena, and then Tibby. But, like, the the middle, like, Carmen and Lena, you know, are kind of, like, interchangeable. But, like, I really did not like Tibby when I was rereading it. I okay, agree. that's interesting. And I feel like I especially don't like Tibby in light of reading Me Before You. And that, <gasps> yes, <laughs> like, that's just sort of situational mm-hmm. for me. But, you know... Just for backstory, we considered doing me before you for this podcast, which is why it seems so relevant in my mind, even though that's not like a real connection that exists (laughs) in any way. But just so I read that, you know, I like sped read that book and felt really grossed out by it. And And I just there's a reason it's not what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. And so I went into reading this book with all that grossness. And so like Libby seemed gross in ways that she did not seem gross. I remember reading about Libby the first time and I remember like very vividly a lot of the scenes that she that like are about like encompass her story I just I don't know I feel like that is why I didn't like her right but like that gross that gross feeling I feel like was like merited so it's sort of like it's a merited dislike Mm -hmm. for her but I couldn't see that before the first time I read it I actually so because my memories are essentially just Mm -hmm. a movie right like going into this I did not remember at all any reactions or anything from having Mm -hmm. read it before um, I, like, hated, hated Tibby. Yes. Like, did I just call her Libby? That's yeah. so embarrassing. I don't think you did. Oh, okay. No, and no, honestly, no, like, no, no. <laughs> Libby is a more normal name. I'm just gonna put it out there. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Who names their child Tibby? Although it kind of makes sense because, like, her parents are really, like, lived in a Right, like, ex-hippies. But, like, it's it's in a very weird way, like, because they're very blatantly all of a sudden being like, we changed our mind, give us our capitalist yeah. cards. Yeah. And it's, like, in a way that I think is a little too obvious for most people completely. who would, like, also live in a commune, yeah, you know? Completely. 
but I hated her so much. And so actually when mm-hmm. I read this, I was like, oh, she's she's not as bad as I thought she was. But that's because I literally like loathed her. In the movie, she is the most horrific she truly character. Is. I can like I she's repulsive. <laughs> This is kind of a shallow Which thing Which is about. awful to say also, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> this is kind of a shallow thing about her character, but one thing I was thinking when I was reading her, especially like the early descriptions of her, is that it's never outright said that she's like the god right. friend, mm-hmm. but she is, and like you, I feel like I, because I couldn't even picture the movie until I, like her character, like whoever, like the actress who plays her, like her, her costumes or like the way her hair looks yeah. in the movie until like like, 20 minutes ago when I looked up a picture, but, so I don't even, I feel like I didn't even necessarily, like, have an image, but as I was reading it, it was just the way they were describing her, I was like, that is so early 2000s, (laughs) like, goth friend, and I just understand it, and I sense it, and that's so funny to me, because if you didn't have that picture already in your head, like, if my little sister read this now, she would not, like, pick up on that part of Tibby, Mm -hmm. I feel like, because it's not explicitly stated, because I feel like that, like, you, even the name, like, you know, like, the goth friend, or, like, you know, whatever you want to call that, which I'm, you know, I feel like I'm having a hard time even, like, giving a name to it, but, like, it didn't have a name at the time, so, like, I don't need a name, but, like, I don't know, I just thought that was so funny, because, like, it never says that explicitly. I feel like it doesn't even really talk about how she looks that much. No. That would indicate it, but just little things were adding up, and I, and I, so I, like, was remembering that as I was reading. Yeah, completely. um, Which was, which was funny. Okay, so you, but you don't know, Hannah, why you Okay, like well, to- I think also, I, because I just read, like, all three of the, like, first three books, and then I'm kind of reading the fourth one right now, and I think I'm thinking about Tibby in light of all the books, and I feel like throughout all the books, but especially in the third and the fourth, I just, like, she did certain things or didn't do certain things that just made me hate her, and I think it's because I feel like her character is so consistently self-involved and so consistently, like, lazy in how she interacts with, like, her friends, with her, like, love interest, with even, like, in the first book with the people, like, her with her co-workers at Wallman's or, like, with the people that she's doing this documentary about. I feel like she just has this, like, guarded... She doesn't notice exactly. obvious things. Like, that would be... Like, it's like, of course they have depth. Like, no. why didn't she's, you I feel that? like... Which I feel like is sort of true to life that she would be so, you know, kind of yeah. myopic and, like, concerned with just her own drama of her, like, kind of early 2000s emo goth kid thing going on. But it's still so frustrating as a reader because I feel like she just has, like, less depth or you feel just, like, less empathy for her because she doesn't have that much empathy for other people outside of herself. That is just so eloquent. Wow. Yeah. We need to move on. There's Tibby. We hate her. I feel like, yeah, I feel like the Tibby book is, like, the Hannah just, like, boom. That's Tibby. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so then we have Carmen and Lena kind of in exchange, exchangeable, like, positions which is interesting because in the movie which i did not notice Mm -hmm. in the book in the movie they're paired up so they're two sets of best friends kind of and it's carmen and lena and bridget and tibby that's like very true which is interesting now like i which i don't think it's an actual dynamic at all I don't think it is because I feel like in the books, Amber Shares tries to kind of make it even. So, like, there'll be a scene with these two and then a scene with these two and, like, emails with these two. Yeah. Exactly. 
So it kind of evens out. It's very frustrating to me that it's hard to sense a pattern with who's writing who a letter. Oh my gosh, which, I know. Speaking of which, I would like to discuss why does no one love <laughs> Lena? Like there is just... Lena's no, boring in the first She one. is. What did I tell you? I sent... She is very boring. I honestly like, haven't read all of the other ones or them in order or yeah. them recently but like i just so i just know that lena is like not interesting in the first yeah. book no i agree with that what i more mean in regard to the letters is that no one is sending her letters i was texting yeah. you too and what did i say i think it's not until like page 90 something that we finally see a letter it is sent so to late lena. And like, like, I'm like, like she. I think she gets three throughout the entire book. I was like, no one likes her. Like, they're yeah. not sending her anything. You know, the letters are so bizarre to me because, first of all, it would definitely be easier to call each other than totally. to write letters. And so many kids were like asking their parents to use their landlines in 2001. So like, I don't even understand why that wasn't like just a cool thing for them. Also, like, it's way easier to call Greece than it is to wait for a letter to get to Greece. Yeah. Okay, or also, I know, so it's so just true. like, and the thing is, like, their letters are so often like a sentence or two. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say next. It's it's like the the letters. I feel like they feel very shallow and very self absorbed. It's like a text it or is. something weird. Like and it's, it's just I feel like you know the first three quarters of it is saying here's this brief summary of the drama that's happening in my life. And then one sentence saying, I hope you're well, or something along those lines. So they feel very self-absorbed, but they're, but that's only because they're so short. Right. And like, it's not weird to write a lot of your letter about your own life and about why you're writing, but I don't know. I feel like I don't understand why they're so short. And it's just, I guess Amber Shares knew that we were going to have texting and that that was going to be really important to us. <laughs> and so she's just like basically writing text <laughs> messages, but they have to be letters because... You know, no text Because she couldn't do TTYL because Lauren Miracle had was already It was taken. So <laughs> she like, couldn't do it. Yeah. The letters are bizarre. They're so strange. Okay. Okay, let's talk about the other yeah. girls then, though. Okay. We've, we've, you, let's go to Carmen slash Let's. How yeah, what are you, like, what were your guys' thoughts? Let's start with Lena. Like, what were you guys thinking about Lena? Because we were just talking about how she became a pariah, kind of. <laughs> she feels like such a foil yes. I feel like I feel like she's set up to be this weird foil and it's like that kind of it's kind of like she weirdly is the foil to all the other girls and like the only thing she has going for her is like her beauty which they like talk about weirdly like oh, so much with yeah but like that's because that's she's just like has like okay I'm beautiful and like period like that's the which, main like, thing about me. has created a bunch of weird trust issues with her which I do think is interesting but like is also kind of very icky feeling like, yeah. like but like she's beautiful and like that's the only thing that's like led her to develop any sort of like personality which is bizarre because her personality is just like wanting to like be modest and like not be the center of attention but like that's not the way being beautiful works like and I so I just feel like it's very uncomplicated like it's like Amber Sherris did not want to write a vain mm-hmm. character so she had her beautiful like girl be very off put by how beautiful Completely. she was which yeah. is such a bizarre well, thing which is, they're all insecure oh, yeah. Because even even Bridget is insecure, and Bridget is kind of, like, about her appearance Mm -hmm. specifically, who, and Bridget is kind of who I would think would be, like, I'm fucking hot, and I know it. But I feel like her, her, like, relationship with how she looks and how other people see her is more complex and more realistic, obviously, because it's more complex, but, like, you know, just 
even though it's they're all kind of simply stated all these relationships but like you know bridget knows that her hair has is like <laughs> the hair that's such a bizarre it's like what does her hair look I like could, i can't even literally imagine. i felt like every time they were describing like, it was like it's golden starlight but it moves like the wind i was like what is or what are these descriptions no one has this hair? hair i have no idea what her hair looks like because it's too mystical <laughs> but so like her hair is like this attractive force that like you know, men look at, grandmas look at, her friends look at, you know, all different demographics of people right. are attracted by this hair. And she knows that. And she's, it seems like, you know, she has a lot of confidence just in terms of her bodies and like her physicality, especially because she's an athlete. And then like, you know, you get moments where she's both annoyed that her hair is drawing attention to her and using it. So I just feel like, you know, there's some complexity there, but with, but with Lena, it's just, you know, I'm beautiful and I don't want to be. So I wear like completely the ugliest clothes but, always. Yeah. Because- yeah, she completely does. And also the thing that annoys me about Lena's beauty is I feel like it's like, it's like the catalyst for basically the drama that happens to her with Costos or Costos. How do you guys pronounce his name? <laughs> that yeah. is like question. Number- I feel like Costos, but Kostos? that's because I don't know what Greek <laughs> I have like. no idea. I, I feel like it might be Costos in the movie I think that's though. how I'm getting my pronunciation. Or Costos, Costos? or something like that. Okay, I'm going to say Costos and it's going to be wrong, <laughs> but I'm going to go with it. But I feel like it's like he comes upon her and she's just sort of this tableau and then that's why he's like obsessed with her kind of and they have this whole thing. Yeah. His, her grandma's like check out exactly. my hot granddaughter and he's like but it's like yeah. they fall okay. in love but it's... they don't even fall in love because they don't know each other and i just feel like she's so such a bland character and then it's like amber shares just i don't understand why she's even in the books in this book you know it's like what was her plan for her because she's just like she's a blank slate basically but she's mm-hmm. beautiful and then she gets to go to greece which is like the most exotic of right. like, the trips and, and like she has like one of the least exciting it's stories. so true and i know and i and i don't know why she did that it's like was that an intentional thing like i don't want to like have the best adventure happen to the girl who goes to greece or was it just like I want there to be a fourth girl in the, this relationship, but my story, t- my stories are like for these yeah. other three. No well, one thing that with Lena that I feel like is repeated throughout the books is that she's always like looking at all these people around her or at her surroundings and thinking like everyone else is living a life and I'm not living a life. And I feel like that is one of her biggest insecurities that like she's not capable of having a full rich life like her sister does or like her friends do. So I feel like in a way by like plopping her down in like the most interesting setting and giving her so much opportunity, but she does nothing with it. It's like you see her limitations, which makes her like a boring and annoying character. But I feel like that is like, I feel like for me, that was her major struggle that she like can't live a life. (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah. Which I do actually think is kind of like classically, like, I, I do think that it taps into, like, some young adolescent girl mm-hmm. feelings in general, too, though, is, like, that feeling of, like, like everyone else is a real person. Totally. Totally. Okay, so yeah. we've got Lena, we've done Tibby, Carmen. Right. I like, well, mm, I feel like Carmen's story is just so... I have a lot to say I feel like it's so, <laughs> it's just so teenager-y. Like, it's yes. just so much the kind of problem someone would have who didn't have that much experience so they couldn't like grapple with their changing circumstance and like I feel like from the very beginning you just know especially us reading it like at being this age I feel like maybe I didn't notice this as much when I was younger but like 
I know that Carmen's being silly at first. And I know that, like, she doesn't need to be that upset by this family that's being so nice and so Mm -hmm. welcoming to her. And, like, her dad seems like a great guy, which, like, dads usually aren't. I feel so differently about this. I'm so so excited. It's just that, like, I am really excited to hear that also. But my point is just that, like, I, I like Carmen because she's just so much caught up in, like, her adolescent mind. And, like, her struggle is getting sort of out of that but like and it's just such a small problem but it's like a problem that every single teenager has so i just i don't know i just i love teenagers being really in books so i don't know that's that that's why i love let's go something about carmen for me okay so we're gonna have to have like a whole in discussion about this too is like how much she talks about her body and how constantly but, like, within this, so, like, this is part of it. She's really hard for me to pin down because she's the artist. She's also, like, technically the narrator. Like, cause she, because she's right. the prologue. Yeah, she's the beginning and the end. Like, it goes back to first-person perspective with her. But she um says that she's, like, the one who gets angry too easily and all this weird, weird identifiers, which, like, actually fit the other girls in different ways. Like, I would think Tibby or Bridget would get mad easily or, like, like the artist kind of maybe even seems like Lena to a certain mm-hmm. degree. Lena's a, like, she's yeah. painter. Yeah, like, I mean, like, I mean, like, she's the writer, I think, is kind of supposed to be Carmen, but, like, I like her continually, but I don't actually know how to describe her. It's so true. Yeah, that is bizarre. I think that's one of the things that's, like, good and bad about this book. And I honestly am going to have to reread the other books to know if, like, it's just because I'm talking about this as if it were, like, a standalone story and not, you know, like, the first of several stories about these same characters. But just, like, it's so – this book is trying to be about four girls equally, but, like, it's hard to write about Mm -hmm. four girls and, you know, have, like, a few hundred pages. So, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the problems we're seeing is just, like, the problems with, like – needing a long time to develop a character but there isn't as much time for each of the characters which is so weird because I don't know it's good and it's bad so I think that like that's an interesting problem because I feel like we don't see a lot of books that are so equally about four different stories but there's like I don't know there's more of a connection here than this would be if it was just a collection of stories about different characters, yeah. like all in the yeah. same place, or you know that kind of pre- the premise is so much Absolutely. different. Because yeah. I feel like also they the girls define themselves so much in terms of each other. So it's like Carmen isn't these things like she isn't like athletic like Bridget, or she isn't like beautiful like Lena, or I don't know what she isn't in terms of Tibby. She's like more you know maybe like theatrical or dramatic than Tibby is, but I feel like they all kind of define themselves in relationship to each other. But Alyssa, like you were saying, I feel like Carmen doesn't like have a thing necessarily. Which I think she even says. I think she says. I feel like that's true. Yeah. I feel like that's true. She's like, I don't know what I am, but, but that's like, yeah, no, go on. Oh, here, Bridget, the athlete. This is page seven in my weird copy. Um, Bridget, the athlete, Lena, the beauty, Tibby, the rebel, and me, Carmen, the, ellipsis what like she does there we go i don't know i feel like that's good i feel like that's so reflective of like kind of like what we were saying is like lena's like struggle like feeling like you're not able to like ever get into your you know your person self or like your life like you're never able to like access that the way other people are but i feel like the fact that carmen is Mm -hmm. the narrator and then she also is like knowing this about herself or is like you know 
identifying this about herself it's definitely not true but like that's what she sees you know it not only reveals kind of the shallow way that she's imagining her friends well i don't want to say that it's a bad thing because i don't think that like there's like this huge problem in how they're imagining each other per se i feel like that's a product of their mm-hmm. age and they're like the fact that you have only experienced so much stuff when you're 15 you tend to even think about yourself in those yeah. terms at that age like you need like an totally. identifier you know like i need to be the rebel or something like that yeah and so i feel like it just is sort of you know locating her within her age and like the sort of mindset and I feel like that's very relatable to young people and it's relatable to older people but in a more like you know theoretical way but also that you know that sense of like I don't have my thing but all my friends have things I don't know I feel like that makes the book about perspective in a way that like it couldn't be without like the prologue and epilogue or like the prologue and like I don't know without her being this like narrator but also not the narrator which I don't know I feel like that also makes her a better character because she's more complicated. You know, she's not just the athletic one. She's not. Yeah. Which, that's such a bizarre dynamic. That it's it's very weird and interesting to me that she decided to make a narrator in a story that doesn't have a narrator. Yeah, well, I feel yeah. like the thing about that, too, is that each of the books is, like, narrated by one of, like, each of the different girls. Okay. So it's, like, they all, oh, yeah, really? so it's, like, they all get their turn, but it's all kind of different. But I do think that Carmen is, does tend to be the, like, more the narrator one. Or, like, she's the one who, I feel like the pants are, like, kind of most important to her in a way. Or, like, she's the one who, like, really keeps them together. I don't know. That's That was, like, my impression of her, that she was, like, the one who kind of, like, cared the most or needed them the most to kind of find her own self-definition that she like existed the most when she was around her friends yeah and I feel like that I feel like I just maybe I just understand that so much personally and that's why I'm like latching on to Carmen but Mm -hmm. I just feel like like I'm I'm the friend luckily you guys all you both wanted to do this podcast but like like that pants thing I know I think I think they say in the beginning when they're like having their ritual or whatever like they make clear that like Carmen and maybe one of the other girls is very into this and is this way oh no they see something about just wanting to stay together before the pants are even a part of it but just like one of them Carmen is like very is being very intense and like intentional about them keeping in contact over the summer and like that is exactly me that is exactly what I would do and I just understand that like fear and like sense that like you have to take steps to make those sorts of I don't know and I just feel like that speaks to me as an adult totally so not only just like you know operating out of like fear of like losing my friends but just sort of understanding that like okay you know like this summer separation if I read it as like a metaphor for just adult life okay and everyone has their own different responsibilities because no one is committed to each other you know, if that's just how adult life is because everyone's living separate lives, but then you want to have, like, these deep connections with other people, then you have to do something very tangible as, like, literally having a pair of pants that you have to send yeah. to each other, which is such a weird thing, but also, like, the fact that, I don't know, I just feel like that's what you have to do, so I don't know, I just feel like, I love Yes, okay, I don't know. that also made me <laughs> think because, like, the way that they become friends is so arbitrary, it's, like, so random that, like, their friendships are so deep but they're also so contingent just like any kind of friendship and especially adult friendships I think that it's like they need something kind of equally as arbitrary to keep them together 
but I think that, I don't know, I feel like throughout these books, there's so many themes of like chance and fate and like everything is random, but also like everything has meaning if you kind of like imbue it with meaning. Like the pants are not meaningful, but they're meaningful because they like decide that they are kind of. And I feel like that's the same with their connections, I, you know? That's so, that was so poetic. <laughs> also, it's just a poetic idea, like that they need. I don't know. I feel like it's very, this is like just something that I feel like I've learned about people and like human existence, but I also feel like is reflected in this book, which makes me think that Anne Brashears recently figured it out. And then she wrote this book about it, but just like the, the fact that like four people could be best friends and like sisters in the way that these four girls are, but only because they're moms, only because their birthdays are so close yeah. to each other. Like that is the only thing keeping them together, but like people change based on their relationships with other people and like grow and like that's why like relationships that you've had for so long seem so much more serious mm -hmm. even if they're you spend less time with those people because like we are like the product of our whole lives and our whole like development and like if someone sees all of that it just you know it's like they know you better and I, I don't know I just feel like that is so speaks to how much I don't know just like okay I'm honestly just getting into my own <laughs> my own thoughts about adulthood now but I just I feel like it is it's just so like like practically you can be best friends with anyone and practically if you want that you have to take steps to like find that and maintain yeah. that but like that doesn't make it less meaningful because it wasn't some you know crazy or symbolic thing that brought you, you together didn't take down a fully grown mountain tree <laughs> exactly like if that's not how you made your best friends it doesn't mean you're not best yeah. friends with them that was such a good example my thing about <laughs> Carmen, her story, not her as a character, but with her story, I feel like there's a lot of really problematic shit going on, and I, like, this is beyond even just, like, the way she thinks about herself, just the stuff with her dad. So you were talking about how, Teal, how her dad, like, the family is actually, like, quite kind to her, and they're trying to include her a lot, and things like that, and I agree with you, and, like, I definitely see that, like, I'm not saying that's not what's going on, but... I have a lot of issues with the ways that I feel like Carmen is being oppressed and re and just fucked up shit. <laughs> like, because, so first and foremost, your dad, who you're supposed to spend all this time alone with, takes you to this family, which is going to yeah. feel very much so like you've been, re like, replaced. Like, that's awful. That was honestly a horrible thing to do to her. Like, that's terrible. I agree. I agree that is, the premise is so weird and it's very, to me it feels very like. I totally agree adults not considering teenagers people yeah or like people who have feelings and complex feelings and like complex like relationships with yeah like their situation and the people around them and I think that like you know it's hard it's obviously hard to know if she intended it to be like this or if like she was intending this to be read as a weird thing the dad was doing or not but like that but even if it's not it's just sort of you know Amber shares internalizing how it's okay to like treat teenagers as like not full people and, like, that's exactly what you would do to someone who you weren't being that considerate of. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did. And he, like, got away with it and, like, thought it was fine because she was 15. And that's just weird. So I agree. That is that is yeah. a very bizarre beginning to her story. And I this is kind of weird. The big, the I think one of the big things with her story that I think goes into a larger thing, which I know we've kind of talked about this before, like, we are definitely like at, we are three white girls and we're definitely going to be talking about race quite a bit in this because I th know that it's something that comes up in 
what it is everything within everything um but like understanding that like we are three white girls and we are therefore always coming from weird places of privilege and like trying to understand but knowing that we yeah. could never fully understand purely theoretical and, understandings that are yeah. based on just you know yeah. random sources yeah so so this is the thing with like so first off when carmen introduces herself <laughs> there's some weird race stuff in that she talks about how like stuff about being tan like being on the poolside and she talks about how she did get tan but that promised blonde hair never showed up which is very weird coming from like how like she's puerto rican like it's like this is kind of like a i thought i was gonna be white but i'm not she's also the only one who's like actually not white like, Teal and I had a weird discussion about whether Greek people were white or not. So, but, well, Lena's described as having, like, olive Mediterranean they, skin, which I, I feel like is literally thrown into every single book. So many people, which I realized recently because, you know, not knowing this from, like, firsthand experience, I read that this is a thing. Not in terms of, like, the olive, you know, like, phrase or, like, you know, image, but, like... In terms of other things. Actually, in terms of a Rainbow Rowl book, you know, just for context for anyone who knows. Eleanor and Park. Mm-hmm. Weird stuff going on with how races, like, like how, like, the boys look is being described. And, like, and I'm just thinking about this now, but, like, yeah, it's not a thing for, like, people of color to talk about, like, how they look or how other people of color look, like, in terms of foods. Like, that's just not a thing. And so, like olive skin tone is very like white people looking at people of color yeah yeah so like i think lena damn yeah yeah and like it's very much like like cocoa color like honey yeah all those kind of words that's a weird thing but like white people do that all the time because i feel like with white you really you either get snow or porcelain like these are like things yeah it's almost always like with women like you do not talk about a man like a white man's skin he's just a white man but the thing is, is so like olive. I don't know because I haven't read, and that's such like you know that's such like an established way to describe like brown Mediterranean skin. That like who knows if that's you know falling into that thing, but it feels like it is. Like why yeah. is it even called olive? Does that make any? Be, med, because it's like because we're talking about people from the Mediterranean. Right. Olives are either green or black. I literally like, don't understand that, big... and it's such an ambiguous. It's so true. It like just so doesn't make sense. Having, like, I feel olive like skin tones, but that is yeah, ne- it's never clear if these people are white or if they're not. Which I think our kind of consensus about there's some weird shit going on with the Mediterranean because it's kind of like if you're on the northern part of the Mediterranean, you're white. And if you're on the southern part, you're not. Yeah. But, like, honestly, like, you, mm-hmm. like, the the skin tones yeah. of this are not, as far as, is, like, basically the same. And so there's kind of just some weird. Yeah, I feel like. Like. <laughs> yeah, maybe, like, in how real life. How you are. <laughs> yeah, I feel like yeah. maybe in real life, like, Lena's story, like, Lena's experience involves weird right. stuff. Because of, like, the color of her skin and, like, how she looks and where she's from and, like, how her family looks. But, like, in the book, I feel like that is not a part I, of I it. I think she's basically white. As yes. far as, yeah. but, you know. But, so... Okay, so this, she's right. the only, technically, and we're gonna go for, for these intents and purposes. For, yeah. Like, Carmen's the only one who's actually dealing with race. Is that, that's how we'll go about this. this I is think that's fair to I say. Like some weird stuff starts also going on with this, like, family that she's with. I mean, okay, there's some stuff that I'm just annoyed with, like, her dad all of a sudden praying when he used to refuse not to, and, like, how fucked up those feelings would be, like, knowing that he wouldn't do those things for you and your family, but he will do these things for these complete strangers. Like, that's awful. But also, page 78... Um, Carmen yeah. has swallowed a big bite without chewing. This. Oh wait, sorry. Well, Carmen, Krista ventured. You don't look at all like I was imagining. 
um, which is a question, but <laughs> Carmen swallowed a big bite without chewing. This didn't help. She cleared her throat. You mean I look Puerto Rican? She leveled Krista with a stare. Krista tittered and then backtracked. No, I just meant, you know, you have, like, dark eyes and dark wavy hair and dark skin and a big butt, Carmen felt like adding. Right, Carmen said. I look Puerto Rican, like my mother. My mother is Puerto Rican, as in Hispanic. My dad might not have mentioned that. And this gets brought up again when there's, um, they, she's at that dressing room thing with the awful woman who says mean things to her. And... Lydia, the, the her like to be stepmother, oh doesn't like stand up for her album. Like I'm pretty sure the woman says something racist to her, or at least something. I know she's saying shit about her body, but like there's stuff about the butt, and yeah. it gets like connected to her being Puerto Rican again. And then she's like, "Oh, you're nothing like your father." Kind of going back to this like you're not white weirdness. Yeah. And then Lydia is just like, "But she's good at math." And it's, I just kind of honestly feel like this little white family yeah. is very, like, as an, like just, like, there's some race shit going on there. I yeah. feel like they are definitely experiencing a lot of, like, racism towards her that they are trying to not demonstrate. I feel like, also, just the idea of this yeah. a Puerto Rican girl being shoved into this white family and seeing her father accept them in ways that she, she hasn't been accepted, honestly... This has all led me to, like, with weird stuff with, like, also I feel like Carmen was, as well as some other characters, there's some internalizing blame. And where the, what's her new, her soon-to-be stepbrother tells Carmen she antagonizes people. Yeah, Paul. He's like, you antagonize people. And she, like, really takes that to heart. And she also keeps thinking, like, I'm bad. I'm bad. And here's the thing. I don't think Carmen is bad. Maybe this is just revealing Mm -hmm. my, like... Maybe I'm very immature, which is honestly very likely with what's going on here. But as I was reading this, I was like, be pissed off. Throw the rock through their window. Fuck them. I was like, I cannot believe they are trying to stuff you into this itty bitty little role. And I can't believe your father is doing this. And your father is like loving them and like saying he loves you. But where is the evidence of that? Where is he showing that he cares about you? He'll come to DC as much as he can for work. Like you can travel a lot more than that. What's his name? Yeah. Owns the same car as Teal Guy. And, like... <laughs> yeah, me and Carmen's dad have the same car, but his is tan. Yeah. <laughs> I have, like, the most... Albert, yeah. Ooh, Albert. classy. He had I a just, weird... Oh, his name is Albert. Just, it's honestly, Albert. like, I was felt very validated when she threw the rock through the window, and I was like, yes, you should. I hate them. And I kind mm-hmm. of felt like... This is, again, very likely me exposing immaturity, but, like... I felt like her thinking how bad she was and thinking that she was antagonizing them and like being such a problem in a lot of ways I felt like was her just like internalizing what was going on in a really messed up way like I was like this isn't your fault like this situation was created around Mm -hmm. you like I think that well I think that in like in light of hearing you speak about this so passionately which was just beautiful um (laughs) I feel I feel like the thing that mm. it's so it's so weird because what you're describing, I feel, like I said, like I'm will say hundreds of more times over the course of this one pod, this one like recording. I don't know, but that seems like it's almost like Anne Brashares was trying to actually craft like a story that was reflective of like mixed kids, like 
being forced into weird situations where no one understands that people, mm. some people aren't white. And, like, it almost seems like she was, like, doing that and almost doing a good job with, like, how tense it is, but, like, for no discernible reason like it is hard to like suss out exactly why she's so mad and even she's having a hard time finding it like figuring out why she's so upset by this and I, she like that's like what her internal monologue that's is what's so weird to me though i felt like i could understand completely i was like well, they y- fucking suck <laughs> well yeah but i but i, but I mean she's 15 and like yeah. you know she yeah i feel like there's there's a lot of reasons why maybe she wouldn't understand it and also like amber shares maybe you know doesn't and i feel like you know it's kind of weird because it's like in some ways, I would imagine, like, she does, a, she's almost doing a good job, but then, like, with the whole resolution, she kind of falls yeah, off the... I, I think that's the problem, exactly, is that, like, internalization of the situation that she does with Carmen is Carmen thinking she's bad, and Carmen having to basically, like, bow her head and apologize and say that she was yeah. the bad guy here. I think that was... Which I actually think, Hannah, goes back perfectly to, like, yeah. what you were talking about, which I think is a good thing, is, like, Carmen moving towards, like, not being self-absorbed as a person, which I do think is obviously good for her, but I think that the situation that she's doing that in mm-hmm. is kind of her just, like, succumbing to being oppressed by these people. I I agree, because I feel like what she learns is the, like, internalization of that blame, but what I feel like she needs to learn is to how, how to, like, channel her anger so that the anger is still there, but it's like she's able to articulate it at least to herself because so much of the time like Teal was saying like she doesn't even know why she's angry and I feel like for her and I don't know I don't want to like get into a weird place where I'm like tone policing her or something because like she's this young girl and also she's entitled to her anger but I feel like where I see her journey going is like her being able to verbalize it and to actually like be an advocate for herself in that situation and be like and she does sort of talk to her father at some point like I was mad about this, this, this. And I feel like that that is where Anne Brashares was going with it. But it also has this weird kind of underside where it's like she is like, I'm a bad person. Like, I'm an angry person. Like, I I alienate everyone I love. Whereas it's like, no, you were put, up, put in this like fucked up situation and you don't have the tools because you're like 15. You don't have yeah, the tools absolutely. to like verbalize so your anger about it. What I think is interesting is that the way that you're describing, like, your frustration with her story, which I agree with, especially in light of hearing the way that you, like, laid it out, but it's, like, it's sort of, like, yeah, not frustration with her, obviously, and not even frustration with the way it's being written because it's, like, a real problem. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that there are no problems with the way it's been, being written, obviously, but, like, That's it's not, not like, the problem is not that there is this problem and these annoying things going on or these frustrating things going on. It's that the resolution doesn't deal with them in a way that, like, is reflective of someone, someone's experience who is not Amber Shares, which is, like, too bad because, like, there is this potential because there is, like, this problem that's such a small, it's not, you know, it's not a small problem, but it's, like, an underexplored problem, especially in Teen Lit and, like she almost gets to exploring it, but then just sort of, like, closes off and, like, you know. Well, I think she almost does, like, the thing of, like, Carmen does what the white people would would want her to type of thing, where it's, like, which I think kind of comes, like, the, like, Amber share is, like, like, Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable to think that, like, if you are a stepmother or something and, like, they've, like, your new husband, like, was with a Puerto Rican woman before that, like, you would be 
oppressing this girl by just does that make sense like and and I think that like kind of like putting that blame on Carmen as well like is more comfortable for you as like a white person you know but we should talk about bridge that's interesting oh wait my one last thing I do want to say about race going back let's go to Bridget you guys was shocked and horrified when I so this goes with Bridget (laughs) perfectly because Eric Eric is Mexican why is he a little blonde boy who's on vacation (gasps) in the movie what the hell oh my god Alyssa I know so so annoying I hated that they did that in the movie because I hadn't even like realized it I guess the first time I saw the movie I was just like whatever and it changes but his character it's crazy like so why are they picky. whitewashing like, him I like him so I don't much understand. more in the book like I'm like oh okay like <laughs> in the movie I don't even know why she likes him he literally <laughs> just like so stares so at her and smirks and runs wow, that and that's all that he does when they first meet With speaking their- of running <laughs> that's a really like uncomfortable scene to read <laughs> Also, oh, like, man. how fast are they running? How physically hard is that? I don't understand. <laughs> I feel like that was very physically hard. Was this, like, a superhuman feat? Like, she's They ran, 15, like, seven you know? miles. Like, I, just, I don't like, understand why they had to have this moment. Are they? <laughs> yeah, I, and she, like, doesn't run. She hadn't been running for months, but, like, could just do this. And I just yeah. felt like it was so bizarre. It's like she had to get into such a weird, like... You know, she had to be in su- doing such a weird physical feat for him to, like, notice her. And, like, that's really weird. Which, again, kind of goes back to the weirdness with, like, this obsession with bodies. Because yeah. you either have this weirdness of, like, Carmen constantly talking about her big Puerto Rican But how she's butt. not, she's yeah. not chubby. She just, she just, yeah. Oh, my God, I hated how they said that. Like, why can't, you just let her be chubby. Like, yes. I feel like Amber shares no, is deeply uh, fat shaming about all these books and I hate like, it. Oh, my God, the scene when they're trying on the pants and she's like, there's the thing where it's like, obviously, I think it's Tibby and Carmen yeah. aren't going to be able to fit into the same thing. I think that was what the comparison yeah, because... was. And they're like both so offended and they're like, she's yeah, I I was was so very like, I was like, oh, like. Ew. Ugh, I hate it. It was like, Tib- it was Tibby more offended because she's skinny or it was Carmen because she's like, like sort of chubby. Ugh, I hated it. Okay, so. No, <laughs> the C word. So then though, you have the other side of this and you have Bridget who's like a superhero. Like you're like, what? Well, how are you this? How is this your body? What are you talking right. about? Yeah. You cannot run seven miles in like two minutes. <sighs> you know, what yeah. I thought was interesting about rereading it was that when I was thinking exactly. about it, first of all, you know, going back briefly with our Lena conversation, I was so shocked to read them being so like, Lena's the beautiful one thing because I remembered Bridget being the beautiful one because Bridget talks about how she looks all the time and Lena has no personality. So right. I forgot about Lena completely. And so I f- forgot that Bridget was not <laughs> the most beautiful one of the four, which is which I thought was just interesting in light of our conversation of how little lena has going for her i couldn't even remember her it's weird i feel like bridget has such a weird relationship well i don't know if it's weird but just an interesting relationship to her body slash her looks and her sexuality and that it seems like she is able to turn on this like like you said kind of like this like semi-mystical power of like running and staying up all night and like being you know just like so spontaneous and like doing all these things and having this mystical hair she is she is like peak spontaneity i i feel exhausted reading her character but it but then she like crashes and i'm wondering if that's ambrasher is trying to be like oh she's kind of riding this bipolar wave that her mom was dealing with but like maybe to a lesser extent 
But I felt like, I don't know, I felt like it was kind of clumsy the way that she was doing it if I she was trying to right make it like I, okay, Bridget sorry, is, is dealing with mental illness. But I don't know if she was. Like, very like weird coming out of my mouth too and like, I just, because this is what I kept thinking, not actually considering mental illness because lots of privilege, <laughs> just, you know, but like legit, like my thought, like reading Bridget, I was, I was like, this girl's <laughs> crazy. Like I was like, and then like, as it kept going, I was like no, actually, there's stuff going on yeah. here. Like, like, and I couldn't put my finger on it, and I honestly think that you kind of just did really well with, like, Completely. bipolar disorder to some degree, even, like, what, how well it's written or not, you know? Because I honestly feel like this is one of the few things, like, because she doesn't right. have impulse control, like, at parts in this. Like, she literally, she says if she thinks something, she does it to a degree that's not what um you would, like, think of, though, like, a person. <laughs> like, if you said that, like, a person had, like, poor impulse control, they can still control their impulses more than Bridget can. Yeah, right. It's, that's so... That's so interesting because I feel like some of those things felt very yeah. like the way a lot of writers romanticize teen characters and teen stories and like that it could be something you say about a random teen character that is just unrealistic about them but like in light of the rest of mm-hmm. Bridget's story it's almost like yeah. that you know that is true about her but it's not you know in this weirdly yeah. reductive way it's just you know one of many things well, and, and that knowing about her mother I think is kind of yeah. a big part of that like yeah that's so interesting because it's so subtle right and I feel like I do okay now now that I'm thinking about it more I feel like Amber Shares does a pretty good job of like showing her at these intense highs and showing how that's wonderful and it opens up so many possibilities but it's also terrible because then then she just hits this wall and she can't do anything and she's in her bed and she like can't deal with the world and she can't deal with everything that's been going on with Eric and and I feel like if Amber Shares had just let her be this like kind of manic pixie dream girl super spontaneous like spontaneous like free lady then it would have been problematic but the fact that she does show that it is in some ways like not normal or that there's like something going on maybe more I feel like is effective because you can't have you know you can't have a manic pixie dream girl unless you have like a boy or like you know, probably a boy, but I guess maybe someone else, like, looking in on her, you know, like, a, from a weird perspective, and, like, that's how she becomes that, but, like, reading her as, like, the other yeah. side, like, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, like, like which, you know, like, the reality is, is that all these characters that have been written, like, seem like, if you're right. being critical, like, they seem like, you know, they're struggling with, like, a lot of depression or anxiety or, like, some sort of trauma, and, like, but, that's but they're so fun and crazy yeah. but that and you don't yeah and that is just like their quirk is like how sad they are so Alaska. like you know that's you so gross it. but like now we get like her telling her story and mm-hmm. she's not oh, yes. herself is like so quirk and i just feel like that is such a good way to read it as just being like things like imagine like okay i know eric is not like that bad but like you I know mean, like he, uh, he's, there's issues with him but and i, I mean, know like, i mean and i also know that she gets with him later in like the series, so like you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like throw yes, she does. Eric under the bus. Okay, really. <gasps> yeah. I obviously am, but like you know, not that much, but like only like the back two wheels. Yeah, yeah. But, like, <laughs> imagine if this, if this was just like, right, exactly. Story, only like slight like, grazing. Man, and, like it was from Eric's perspective, and like you know, he could become self actualized like through Bridget. Like it could be that exact story, and he could be describing her like both like both of her yeah. like extremes but romanticizing it so much and I just feel like wow I feel like right. I love that I love thinking about it like that yeah the only thing that I think might like take away yes. from that is that he's I would contend that like he's actually pretty mature 
I know he. And I mean, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be the actual boy. He would have to be like the boy yeah. of a teen. Yeah, novel. it's it's like he has Eric. The, he has the place. The place. Yeah, but yeah. Not Eric that character. because he's he's old right. enough that he's not like. Well, it's not even age. Like I think he's just like because like I. Th- well, he's old enough and like yeah. I mean, like, age is part of this. I just meant, like, the reason he's not making her a manic pixie dream girl in his brain is because right. he has, like, had enough, like... It, life experience yeah. to, like, not be a Q. Exactly. Exactly. the boy in the lip? Totally. That's paper towns. Okay, I want to really talk about yeah. Bridget and sex because I feel like a lot of actually cool, powerful things happen here. Wait, yes. really quick, now that yeah. I'm thinking about it. The age thing really grossed me out yeah. this time around. I don't think it did last time I read because I was younger, so, like, I could understand, like thinking that you're a real, you know, uh, like, a full adult when you're 15. Like, I can understand that feeling, I think, when I first read it. But, like, that really freaked me out now. And I think, you know, for good, just objective reasons, why it's weird for someone to not know that someone is 15 if they are 15. But also, I think that, you know, nothing nothing crazier. This isn't a very dramatic story, but I once did something very similar where I I think I, I was 15 and I was telling someone that I was 16 because that that guy was 21 mm-hmm. at the time and it was we only ever had a texting <laughs> relationship that was not even oh yeah you know saucy in the slightest because I was too freaked out but just I was thinking about that when I was reading this time and I just am curious if you guys have ever lied about your age I haven't no, no um, yeah I, I, I ha- have you like, Alyssa no, I don't. I haven't. All of the boys that I have been with <laughs> have all been like very close to my age. I think I was projecting on Bridget, <laughs> but also I was just thinking about how easily I made that decision, but also how it was so weird because it's like at any, like the person who I was talking to could have so easily like known that I was not 16. And like, why did I need, like, why? I don't know. There's just like a lot. Something weird about that one year change too, because like I mean, who? Yeah. When I'm, I think about a 16 year old as a teenager and like on their way to adulthood. A 15 year old is only one year older than my 14 year old sister, so that's too young. Yeah, a 15 year old is like a child. (laughs) Well, I think it's weird too because like like thinking about maturity and age, and especially when I was reading this, I was thinking like. When I was reading it originally, when I was a teenager, like 13, 14, whoever old, I was like, Eric is so old. Like, he's a sophomore in college. Like, this is insane. And Bridget is, like, kind of old, too. So, like, it's fine. But now looking back on it, I'm like, she is, How old he is, is he? young. So he's, he's a sophomore and he, in college. And she is very young. He's like, you know? So he's gotta he's be gotta 20. be like, yeah. He's like younger than I am. And it's like what I, what we all know of twenty year old guys. Right. I mean is like, you know, they're not like, like grown men. <laughs> because they're all like twenty, like getting with that's a fifteen year old and I'm I mean the thing is it's like even yeah. a sixteen year old a fifteen year old what is wrong with you? Like what did you just do? I honestly <laughs> It's a red flag. That is yeah. so gross to me because Completely, completely. Oh, it's just like one of you is obviously in charge of this and one of you is obviously not. Like what could Bridget, like what could be so enchanting about Bridget? Being 15, it's getting really gross to me now. I just like, I feel like Bridget reads as much (laughs) older than she, than she is. And, like, maybe that's, I feel like a lot of oh, that yeah. could be that she's supposed to seem older. And, like, Amber Cher is, like, picked the ages sort of, like, 
you know, she just had to pick an age to set these girls at. And so, like, you know, maybe it's not, it's more reflective of someone who's 17 or something, but it's, like, yeah. that is just so upsetting because it's, like, Eric, it was his responsibility and he was the one who knew what was going on and he could have just been, like, no, because you're 15 or no, because you're 16, Yeah, you know? And he didn't and that is just very gross and it's so... It's mm-hmm. it's weird because you know you don't want to strip all agency from Bridget, which I this is this is the big point that I want to get. But to. I also am very afraid of like I yeah. really am afraid of men, you know men in general, but also you know <laughs> men who are like in this weird like immature eighteen <laughs> to twenty two period, like the college age group, which are like the least mature men of all time. But also, that's, like, the most scary category. (laughs) So it's just, like, I feel very freaked out by that now, thinking about (laughs) and talking about it. It's, like, it's just in so many ways it's wrong. And, like, like, I know I'm saying, as Alyssa, are you, I I don't know. It's, like, it's not bad. It's not bad for Bridget. It's bad because Eric's so old. And, like, he could have taken advantage of that so easily. And and maybe, you know, like, maybe you can argue that, like, he didn't do anything that was so wrong. But, like, Ah, okay, sorry. Uh, no, don't be sorry. Do not be sorry. This actually feeds perfectly into what I <laughs> wanted to say and go into about this. I completely agree with everything that was, like, just mm-hmm. being said. There's, like, grosses here. And yeah. statutory rape is, is a very real thing, obviously. So, okay, so kind of, like, for reasons, um, like, I, I just, like, notice these things a lot <laughs> in books. And, um, I get really upset. Like, I kind of will almost make this opposite case, which I think goes on this, like, really shaky waters, obviously. But that, like, when we say that, because, like, when people talk about statutory rape, they're continually talking about a younger girl and an older guy. And, like, that position is almost never reversed. And I'm not saying that there are not power dynamics there that are messed up, because there obviously are. But, like, I think what it also does is it invalidates and pretend, like, the girl and pretends that she she cannot have a desire for sex unto herself and that even a young girl cannot want sex but the truth is young young girls want yeah. sex so you can't pretend that they don't and I'm not saying they're not being taken advantage of yeah. because there yeah. is a reality to that but I think that like it invalidates them to say that that's like well that's all that's going on and even to call it rape sometimes because yeah. like I don't know but this is why I want to talk about page 224 yeah. Because I love Bridget and I wrote fuck yes next to this. Cool. Because he says, he's apologizing. He says, he says, he says <laughs> I should have sent you away last night. I shouldn't have followed you when I saw you pass by my door. I was wrong. I take responsibility. It was my choice to come. How dare he take her power? But I'm older than you. I'm the one who... I'm the one who would get in yeah. serious shit if people find out. <sighs> he still wouldn't look at her. He didn't know what else to say. He wanted to leave. She could clearly see, or she could see that clearly. I'm sorry, he said. She threw her pen after him. She hated that he'd said that. Because he has, like, fuck you for being sorry, man. Like, you don't, like, this was her sexual yeah. experience. You don't get to, he don't take responsibility for that. It's her responsibility, too. Like, you do not, yeah. like... And that he, I feel like just the fact that he says, like, the reason why he's so feeling so yeah. guilty is because he'll get in trouble. Yeah, not because, like, she's 15. <laughs> like, not because he was like, oh, maybe I put her in a situation where she didn't have a lot of power and yeah. could make choices, you know, in the way that she would have with someone who wasn't as, who didn't have so much of an edge on her. But, no, I'm I'm worried because I'm going to get in trouble. Like, I just feel like it's a little bit irresponsible on Anne Brashear's part and, like, sort of revealing of how not cognizant of, like that 
being a problem she is to like make she could have just made him a little bit younger and then he couldn't have been the coach and then it couldn't have been as serious or she could have made Bridget a little bit older and I know that like you know a lot of things have to change for those ages to change but I feel like I don't know maybe there's no answer it's like he has to be older because he has to be a coach but she has to be younger because she has to be this 15 year old girl thinking about sex and like having sex well I also I do feel like it makes it interesting that there are these dynamics at play that it's not like an uncomplicated first time to have sex or it's not like an uncomplicated desire or relationship it it did a good job in showing the ways that he like as this sophomore in college is so limited in his understanding of like what she didn't get from the experience because it wasn't like he it was he was like you were saying it was like he's feeling guilty because he could get in trouble because it's like you know legally this isn't right but he doesn't quite understand that like she is just feeling all these complicated emotions and not necessarily like getting the emotional support from him that like she needs and I feel like in that scene, she is doing a good job of recognizing like her own responsibility, her own agency and desire in that situation. And he's not, he's not like actually giving like her what she needs, if that makes sense. There is like the sense of dissatisfaction, at least like at the end of this book, like from her, like because of that, because, and like, yeah, you know, it's frustrating that all she has to do really is like get older for him to like start thinking of her as like a full person or like a real person but like you know that does I don't Mm. know I can't really remember what happens with them later but like you know like something changes and like I don't know it's his fault that it can't be better now but like I don't know because I mean they can't even really be now and I actually did really appreciate her reaction to that where she says that like he clearly thinks that him validating his interest in her is going to be like enough to heal what's like happened in this moment for her and I love that it doesn't. Like, I I think that's so perfect. Right, like, it's like, not she's enough. Just, like, it's just not, like, it's not I even almost, that. like, about him. It's that, like, part of this is that she's kind of, like, seeking love in all these different ways. And she, like, it's this is a lot about, like, her mother and a lot of her own issues. And the thing totally. is, like, that's kind of what's this for me is I think what's going on here is the reason she crashes from this doesn't have anything to do with him like I don't think anyway at least that's how I was taking it and like I love that line like how dare he take her power because this for her was supposed to be this act of drawing power and she did it Mm -hmm. and then she realized that that's not what it really was and she didn't get fulfilled in all the ways that she needed and right. it, it even says, there's a thing that says that, like, she'll go after power no matter right. what, and then as soon as she gets it, she, like, can't deal, you know? There's, like, a really good line that I'm completely mangling. And I think that's exactly what's happening. Right. She got her power, and she realized this wasn't, <laughs> the, this isn't power. This is intimacy, and intimacy is scary, and that's not, yes, exactly, and Bridget is not vulnerable. Bridget, vulnerable. Bridget does not get scared. These are not her things, and so she's... I think that's where the problem is for her, yeah. not, like, that she's had sex necessarily. Okay, I feel like we should yeah. talk about the thing that I've been waiting for this whole time, but also yeah. what I feel like is a good place to end. Just, like, the idea of, like, how <laughs> much women, how much people, but, like, how much women specifically and how much young people specifically and most specifically how much young women need, like, unconditional support and love from other people and, like, they need, like, mm-hmm. this is getting more into, like, people category, like, what people need, but just, like, that sort of support, but they also need to, like, know that it's there, and, like, there needs to be, like, a sense of commitment that, like, we don't have models for, I feel like, in, like, in adult relationships very well, like, with kids, maybe, I guess not with kids either, but, mm-hmm. like, I feel like kids 
don't necessarily know that they don't have it and like it's it's way easier to like be a committed friend to someone when you're a kid and don't have like your adult life also to manage you sit by them every day at lunch it's yeah and so there's like a sense mm-hmm. of commitment that like maybe is fleeting but like yeah. it feels real so i feel like that's sort of what's going on with like kids and like young teenagers but then like with adults they're like the only like model for like committed friendships or like relationships is like marriage and you know that's always romantic yeah i think that's why so many married people are also only friends with each other like they don't have friends and why so many like marriages stop being romantic (laughs) late in life and are just like sort of practical for those two people right and i feel like that's because like we need that sense of commitment but it's very hard to like be talk about commitment if you're not actually talking about something like tangible and I just feel like with sisters the thing about like what I've noticed with my sisters like being an adult and like having adult sisters is like the sense of commitment that there is just because we're sisters and like we're always going to like have the same parents and like sort of reunite Mm -hmm. around certain spaces and like certain events and like that's always going to be there and I know people are estranged from their family members and some people are estranged from their sisters but like that being like a source of like commitment that is maybe like the things that bring kids together like is like not even real like it's like comparable to like the pants like it's not a real thing it's just like we were born to the same family but like with these girls like because they've known each other for so long and they've decided Mm -hmm. to just have this like sister friendship hood you know they like have that okay that's that's my my spiel about commitment no it was good i'm I'm snapping (laughs) (laughs) snaps i loved it i loved every minute of it yeah i love that sisterhood is like the central theme of this book and that i feel like like what you were saying that you know like with your actual sisters who you're like born with these girls too are in kind of this random basically like a random situation where they're just like put together from birth and then and they're then they're growing up together so in some way they like didn't choose each other but they're still like choosing each other all the time and i feel like it's this a similar thing with both sisters and like really 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 close friends that you like you have this automatic kind of sense of commitment to each other and like the need to make this thing work even if you're super different and that means that you continually have to like choose each other and you continually have to like choose the choices that will that will make your bond strong and that will like reinforce that I love, kind of initial thing I love, that like, brought what, you like together. What you're saying is sort of like and, yeah. The fact like the thing about sisters is that sisters are hardly ever very similar, especially because they grow up like next to each other. And so like that I feel like kind of forces sisters to grow up to be different people because yeah. they're always seeing the example of one kind of you know, one kind of person. And so like they're probably acting in response to that. Yeah. But like the fact that other sorts of relationships that are based on like immediate compatibility or like immediate similarity is always fleeting because people are always changing. And that's like why Mm -hmm. romantic relationships are so, you know, tumultuous and a lot of them are short lived is because the sense, like the thing that brought the two people together is just that they're so similar or so compatible or like so many of the same things or like doing so many of the same things. And that like doesn't, necessitate you choosing to like be with that person like Mm. like just literally spend time with them in spite of that in spite of differences which like is what you need to do to like have a long 
yeah. relationship with someone. Well, and I that, think... Oh, I'm so sorry. Keep going. I'm, and you have... And basically, you just have... Like, like Hannah was saying, totally. you have to make that choice with sisters if you're going to be close to them. And you have to make that choice with, like, friends who you're friends with for a yeah. long time. I was yeah. just going to add that I think you're almost even getting into, like, really good points about basically the, like, Western notion of love and this idea of there ever being someone who's the one and how, like, messed up all of that is, which we mm-hmm. don't need to get into right now because it's not entirely relevant. Yeah. But point being just, yeah, like, how how you are working to make these relationships work rather than expecting them to work for you. And it's, like, with romantic love, it's so much, like... So many things are mm. deal breakers in romantic love. Like something <laughs> yeah. not work in terms of a romantic relationship. <laughs> and like because romance like takes over our lives here in the West, like we can't even fathom like being <laughs> friends with that person still or like in spite of those things because like the romance is like all encompassing. But like with yeah. platonic relationships, which is the same kind of, you know, that's the same kind of you know platonic is a big term and it's just like anything that's not romantic which includes sisterhood and includes like friendships but like you like anything like there's the sense that like the it's so unconditional it's unconditional in the way that like so many romantic relationships aren't yeah because like like my best friend or like my sister could do anything and I literally would still love them because like love is like you know it's like a it's, like, an abstract thing right. that is not something that you can pinpoint. And so, like, I d- am deciding to love them. At Dumbledore. No matter what. <laughs> exactly. And so it's just, like, their lives separate so intensely for this period of time. And yet they still, like, that doesn't change their relationships with each other. Even though they all come back. Like, you know, they come back for different people than they were when they left. And, like, that doesn't matter. And that's never even a question. And it's, like, I just feel like it's right. very good for me and like good for young girls and good for readers everywhere and of all sorts to like read about young women needing that sort of stability among their friends slash sisters slash family you know like wherever you're getting that but like needing that which is something that like a lot of adult I think I feel like a lot of women like enter into adulthood not knowing that they don't have or like that they need and like these girls just have that and that's just sort of like the base line of this story and I feel like that's so yeah good well and that like just really fast because I want to hear yeah. what you were going to say because I was oh, yeah, boiling up that this this relationship is something <laughs> that you're seeking and that the romantic relationships are not the focus of like this like idealized relationship yeah. that will actually like fulfill you <laughs> yeah yes go into more though you have it completely that was it. like exactly what I was gonna say well I I just love so much that like that is the relationship that defines them and the, the one that they like keep coming back back to repeatedly. And there's a part in the fourth book that I just read where without going into too much detail, like Bridget meets this guy and he has a wife and two kids. And she was talking about how he like belongs to them. She's talking to Tibby on the phone and she, and she's like, he belongs to them in a way that like, I don't belong to people. Like, I don't feel like I belong to Eric that way like I don't feel like I belong to my dad that way or or other people but then she says like I feel like the people that I belong to are like you Tibby and Lena and Carmen like we like belong to each other but it's not involving any of these guys that they're attached to because that's not the central sort of core relationship that gives gives them a sense of like stability in the world and like a touchstone for like who they are and where they are. And I think that that's just so rare to have that be the center. And I love that because I think like T, like you were saying, that's so off, like that's just never 
are so rarely like the focus or or seen as like important or or even like nearly as important as like the pinnacle of a romantic relationship which then leads to such like problematic relationship dynamics and like putting everything yeah, on like, someone that you're in a relationship is with which that, is like, like terrifying none of us know that we're supposed to be seeking these really strong relationships with like friends because friendship seems like such like an afterthought I feel like it's represented as such an afterthought like you just you know you just end up with friends if you live your life and if you seek like if you date a lot of people like you just end up with friends if you go to school and if you like just do things and like that's obviously not how friendship works but also like you don't know that because friendship is never dramatic because like the whole point of it is that it's like committed and stable and like long lasting and like that's what's good about it but like that's right. not doesn't make for a good story like two friends coming together is great but like the thing the drama that happens with that's two true. friends is always them doing something together and like something you know interrupting their friendship or like making and it's just like yeah. you know the, the drama is not them becoming friends or like if it is that's a very short part of it I don't know I just feel like you know that doesn't make for really sensational storytelling which is why I feel like none of us know that we need it except in like or you know I'm not surprised (laughs) my statement I think it does make for good storytelling but it makes for like you know a different kind of storytelling and like that's why like that's why I love this book because I feel like it does that but it like you know, she masks it underneath all this boy drama. So, like, you don't even, like, no one's, like, dismissing this book as, like, not a normal (laughs) teen book. Like, this is, you know, this is, like, one of the teen books people think of when they think of teen books about girls. So it's, like, I don't know, I just feel like there there are examples of that being done well, but it's not the main story. I'm just thinking of, um, I don't know why I didn't even think of this before. This is not entirely relevant, but I just keep thinking of the divine secrets of the Yaya sisterhood, which I think it, this is supposed to be. Is like it that. really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Pretend yeah. I knew that. Okay. Like the teen I version. Read that book, but I, I haven't read, read it a lot either. of things. About I've just them. seen the movie many times. Which honestly means we should probably read the book. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I just was thinking about that, and also about yeah. how I, w- I was thinking about how dramatic that story is actually, and even like within their relationships, it is, mm-hmm. and how, but like how it does. There's just this sense of like mm-hmm. stability. It's as though they're a married couple, and it's that type. Like, is that's almost the way it's presented. And anyway, the, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Should we do like? final thoughts if we have anything (laughs) final thought i think for me is that like i actually genuinely feel like this is one of those things that's like is a book that like young girls should read and that like does that make sense like it's like it's like this is what you should read to like think about your life and what you should be doing and like there's lots of reasons obviously that it's problematic to do that but like i think the overarching things in here that like you're gonna get out of it as a young girl are things you need as we've just been discussing and things that you don't get yeah, from other places necessarily, from other stories. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the thing that I took away mainly from these books is that I started reading them and then I just like devoured them in like a fever dream of emotion and hormones and like <laughs> happiness inside. And I feel like reading them, I felt so much like like my teenage self, but in the best ways, like feeling so much and like loving so much and being so passionate about things. And I think it really captures that feeling of being a teenager in like the best way and just being like so connected and I feel like that's that's kind of rare because you know in some teen books I feel like apathy or 
or like being jaded is the emotion that like comes across to me the most and this is like so sentimental I, I feel like in so many ways so but much love it because of that nature and like just hearing you say that made me sort of feel like the reason why it can be like that is because she's established that these four girls like have this safety net of each other and like have this stability that like is unquestioned in the books and is like is like you know nothing's going to going to break it down or whatever so like they can have these like really crazy adventures and like all these different Mm -hmm. traumatic things happen to them and they can do that and that's not like taking up their whole life you know like their story doesn't end once they get back from summer and like I feel like that's why it can be both so sentimental and so dramatic but also so realistic is that like there's the sense that like you don't have to have either or like you don't have to either have be friends with girls or have a boyfriend or like you don't either have to like you know stay at home or go off and have an adventure and it's like there's so much the sense that like there's these four girls who are four different girls who like are figuring out how to be people but they can do that while maintaining this friendship and like that is I feel like a thing that we don't get taught because we love individualism Mm -hmm. here yes and so like it's not you know it's not favorable to depend on other people like that to like figure out who you are but no in fact it's considered a feminine thing to depend on other people which goes into all of these other things yeah which i think you can figure out from what i'm saying with the tone of my voice (laughs) for those who don't know mom you know just to i feel like just to wrap this up in light of our what we started out with you know in our intro part about how much we hated like you know, capital L literature, but just, like, this is, I feel like we're all kind of reiterating that this is such a, like, we got, like, practical lessons out of this book, and, like, we, like, Alyssa said, like, I want young people and young girls to read this because I think they need to know this information, and it's, like, no one needs to read Robinson Crusoe. Like, I didn't read Robinson Crusoe. I didn't even need to read it to (laughs) succeed on the test because I understood. She does not. Teal is a badass. (laughs) And also a bad student. So both of those. But it's just like no one needs to like read about a guy going off and like finding himself through God or through being alone or through you know having frivolous affairs with women and alcohol and drugs. Like no one needs to like learn that to like live their life they need to learn that to like get out of midlife crisis crises or like you know whatever happens to men that make them write and read those things but people do need to read about like women being (laughs) friends with each other unconditionally and like that is such I feel like is a big difference between like you know frivolous or like you know entertaining lit and then like classic lit and that's just like literature that has substance if you and, yeah it's like why can't the substance be a life lesson i don't understand and like right <laughs> or like be a life lesson that like basically because usually what categorizes that right just means that like it has internal ramblings from a white man right like why can't it be a life lesson yeah. that's like specifically more towards girls but also everyone you know like it's not yeah. it's not like universal this, just because it's like a white man this, this start i yes. feel like this is an auspicious start to to the podcast I'm very journey. happy I feel so yeah. much love for both of you I think so and, too this was so fun you guys who my mom is not gonna read this me too I'm, I'm, this. I'm gonna wait for a while and see how bad things <laughs> I say are before I tell my mom honestly <laughs> it's gonna be Alyssa's mom okay 
And next up, we're going to do The House on Mango Street. <laughs> yes, by Sandra Cicero. Cis- Cis- Cisneros, right? God, I always fuck yeah. that up. You say it again and pretend I didn't just say that. And next, we're going to do The House on Mango it's Street tough. by Sandra Cisneros. Probably Sandra Cisneros, but I just I oh, just yeah. whitewashed that pronunciation. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I, I guess can't wait. Thanks for listening, <laughs> Hannah's mom. <laughs> Hannah's mom is the only person who's going to listen to this because <laughs> thanks for just, that's mom. putting your a lot of pressure on your that's putting a lot that of pressure on your parents. They're just so nice. They I are bet so Kyla nice. I will too. I bet my, my dad will listen. My, at least one of my sisters will listen. My sisters oh, she will tell will. me they've listened to it, but they won't. But like to the five mm-hmm. people yes. who are related to us and who are listening to it, yeah, thank you and we love you. Stay tuned and it's going to sound so cheesy and annoying no, every time it. I say do it. it. Totally. We're going to make a button and put that on it and it's going to become a thing. Stay I love tuned. it. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Well, that's Stay the Stay tuned. Okay. I wish I could bow. Okay. Bye, guys. <laughs> okay. Don't hang up, though. <laughs>